This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this not bad, bright morning, but some rain and showers threatened. Whatever it is, uh, do make the most of this lovely Saturday. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. This morning on the programme, for what's been a busy week for business, we'll talk to Colin Ahern, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. He'll be giving us his reaction to the latest developments in the saga about the closure by Diageo of the Smithicks experience in Kilkenny and the doubts that hang over the North Keys development in Waterford City, just on the border with Kilkenny, of course, the project which has claimed to be a huge driver of business in the future for the southeast. Laura Slattery of the Irish Times will give us her take on the business stories of the week. And both Colin and Laura will be giving us their reactions to what our first guest, Tanish de Leo Varadkar, had to say about the reopening of the economy, the world of work post-lockdown, and how business is faring as the economy slowly begins to reopen uh, when he talked to me on Thursday of this week. And as well as being Tanish and leader of Fine Gael, Leo Varadkar, of course, is Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, the Government Department, I suppose, who are totally on the front line of dealing with business during the COVID crisis. So on Thursday last, as the country slowly begins to emerge from the crisis, I asked Leo Varadkar what his message is to business. Well, my main message to people in the business community is is one of thanks. Um, it's been a dreadful year uh, for many businesses around the country. Um, even as we speak, nearly 500 uh, in Kilkenny closed, uh, 200 in Carlow, um, really just opening this week. And uh, they've had such a difficult um, year because of the pandemic and um, we did we asked them to close their businesses we required them to close their businesses to save lives and um, we've been successful in that regard and I want to thank them for their cooperation um, but I also want to say to them that the government is on their side uh, the financial supports that we've put in place um, like the weekly Chris payment um, when they're closed the wage subsidy scheme the reduced fat rate the commercial rates uh, holiday um, all of those things were done to help reduce costs to help businesses get through this um, and we're not going to withdraw them on the 30th of June they can't last forever because they're paid for a borrowed money but we're not going to withdraw them suddenly and we're going to give businesses a chance to get back on their feet and recover and build up some cash before we uh, withdraw those financial supports um, and also to people around the pandemic unemployment payment um, last week there were 11,000 people in in uh, Kenny and Carlo on the payment um, a lot of those people are going to get, get to go back to work uh, over the next few weeks um, but some may have to wait until June or July until hospitality is fully opened and again I'd say the same message to them uh, that financial support is going to be there um, at least until you get a chance to get your job back. Yeah, now that'll be very welcome news for people, that general direction of travel, but the devil is always in the detail. Can you give us any indication of how you're going to decide who can get support beyond the end of June and who is going to have the net taken away or do you uh, envisage a, a, some sort of safety net continuing for people who are there on it at the moment for a couple of months at least? Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be for a couple months at least. And uh, I think for some sectors like uh, hospitality, aviation, arts, entertainment, tourism is going to have to go on for longer, maybe to the end of the year and even into next year because of the uh, impact on them. Uh, but, you know, there's really, really kind of three ways government can help. One is the low cost loans and the loan guarantees. They're going to stay in place for uh, quite some time. Um, and there's lots of firepower there for 
low-cost loans for businesses that, that want them. Um, we're going to bring in a new system of examinership uh, called SCARP. It's a small company uh, administrative rescue process, and that'll be in place by the autumn. And that's for businesses that are viable um, but need to restructure their debts and uh, may need to change some of their contracts and um, rental arrangements and so on. And instead of having to go to the High Court and through the very expensive examination process, there'll be a fast track personal solvency type process for small businesses to restructure. We'll have that in place for the autumn. Uh, and then most importantly, things like the wage subsidy scheme that continues to apply for companies that are down 30% or more. Um, and... Um, the VAT rate of 9% will stay in place at least until the end of the year, may well be extended to next year. And we're looking at exempting commercial rates again for the third quarter of the year for those businesses uh, still closed or only partially open are, are most affected. So um, I'd love to give you more detail and I will, but it's going to be the end of May or the 1st of June before we can do that. And we're tying up or playing around with all the different options at the moment. Mm. And I don't want to give you information now that may turn out to be, be incorrect, but I think it's fair to say that... Um, uh, the financial sports will continue in place uh, over the summer um, and to the extent that they're phased out they'll be phased out very carefully and very gradually because we know there'll be a boom in consumer spending uh, over the next few months once people are allowed to spend money again uh, but we also know that won't last forever either and we don't want a situation whereby uh, in the autumn we see consumer spending uh, fall off and then also the government's financial supports being removed at the same time and uh, that would then tip businesses into failure at that point and we're going to try and avoid that as best we can. Yeah, so you're saying the rates waiver will continue for eligible businesses up until the third quarter. Um, Chambers of Ireland uh, have been asking for rates waivers to continue into next year but you're just looking ahead to the third quarter. Yeah, well, and we, we haven't yet made a decision on the third quarter either. So, you know, we are examining options, um, both for the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And we're aware in Northern Ireland, for example, they've made an announcement that they're doing that, um, you know, a, a rates holiday for affected businesses for the full year. So it's kind of in the mix. But, you know, if you do more on rates, you're you're only able to do less on the way subsidy scheme, you know, the yeah, way it works yeah. is a limited... One area, um, a number of years ago, there was a redundancy rebate scheme and, uh, you know, many people, unfortunately, will be facing making workers redundant. Chambers Ireland also seeking a temporary reintroduction of a redundancy rebate scheme for smaller type businesses. Um, how would you feel about that? Um, a, a very expensive thing to do and um, there's a risk as well uh, if you were to do that that you could potentially um, encourage more redundancies to happen than need to happen um, I don't think any employer will deliberately uh, lay somebody off but um, if the government uh, starts paying a chunk of the redundancy you could argue that you may see more people laid off as a consequence particularly if you make it temporary because they, they might actually bring forward redundancies yeah um, risk there uh, but we are going to come up with a solution for companies that can't afford to pay and there will be companies um, that are down a lot of staff can't take them back on we'll have to make them redundant um, and uh, if they have to pay those redundancies that might actually topple the business over entirely so we get that's a problem there mm. and we're looking for a solution that will allow us to help those businesses that um, that genuinely can't afford to pay the redundancy yeah um, now what about really small businesses last week on the program I had a business owner text in uh, who said that the turnover was uh, you know under 50,000 obviously yeah. a very small mom and pop shop kind of thing but um, they said that there's virtually nothing there for them that was their point how would you respond to that 
Um, well, for, for for the Chris, you know, the weekly payment for businesses that are closed, there, there's no turnover uh, a limit or threshold. Um, I think what they're referring to there is is the SBASC, which is the Small Business Assistance uh, Scheme for COVID. Mm. And that's for um, rateable premises that aren't closed to the public um, and they have to turn over over 50,000 or more. But um, I'm, I'm examining that for the second round. There'll be a second round of grants from that scheme. And I am looking at that, that 50,000 turnover. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking as well at the issue of people who operate their business from home or maybe only have vehicles. Um, and while they benefit from the wage subsidy scheme, they didn't benefit from the restart grant um, or from the uh, SBASC. So there are a few uh, companies there that we do want to help out in some way, and I'm looking at the options there. Yeah, but you mentioned... Sorry, Tony, go ahead. Uh, you know, bear in mind, you know, because they don't have rateable premises, that they, they would have lower fixed costs than, than most businesses. Yeah, now you mentioned working from home. Uh, you received a lot of acclaim, I suppose is the right word, for for announcing the, regal, uh, the legal right for employees to work from home. I've spoken to some businesses who said that that was done without adequate consultation or consideration um, of the complexities. How would you respond to that criticism? Oh well, it's 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 not done yet. <laughs> so uh, we did a public consultation on it, which uh, only finished up now in the last five or six days. So uh, we'll be examining um, the responses to that public consultation. So we haven't actually put it into law yet. Mm. Um, I should say it is going to be a right to request remote working. It's not a right to demand remote working. Mm. Uh, so you know there are some businesses that just won't be able to do it. And you know you and I could think of loads of examples. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but. The- think it'll work we haven't decided yet will be similar to what is the case in the uk where an employer an employee if they've been with, been with you for long enough they can uh, make a request to remote work um or work from home full-time part-time maybe uh, and then the business owner has to uh, respond within a certain period maybe one month maybe two um and if they're refusing give, give a reason and a good reason uh, and um that can then be challenged uh, potentially the wrc um but like there are good reasons as to why remote working isn't an option for uh, some jobs and some businesses and it will be possible for uh employers to refuse uh remote working and home working but they do have to give a, a decent reason as to why uh, and we see now it can be done you know mm. the world of work ever more uh, complex and the whole health and safety never more important with hand sanitizing social distance screen and work screens and workplaces and so on a lot of complexities around the whole vaccination issue we had somebody on the program a number of weeks ago suggesting that it wouldn't be legal for employers to ask uh, their employees whether or not they'd been vaccinated um you know can you see difficulties down the road with uh, things like that yeah, I can. And uh, it's something um, we're going to have to work on. Um, it's never been the case in Ireland that we require people or force people to have a vaccine and we're not going to do that. And I don't think anyone's uh, proposing that. Um, and uh, certainly an employer couldn't require somebody to uh, have a vaccine. Um, but um there will be areas of work where potentially it might be justified you know certainly to work in the health service you're expected to have your hepatitis vaccine for example Mm. Uh, so you know it's it it is something that requires a bit more examination by government Um, but as things stand people have the right to bodily autonomy Mm. we don't take that away and that means that uh, you know you can't require or expect an employee to be to be vaccinated now hopefully this won't matter you know if, if enough of the country is vaccinated if we achieve herd immunity uh, this, this will be a virus that we manage like we manage many other viruses um, like the flu for example uh, and we don't require everyone to be vaccinated for that although it'd be good if more people were 
Yeah, now moving on to tourism, uh, Tanishta, it's a huge business in this area across uh, Kilkenny and Carlow. I don't know if you're familiar, but the US Tour Operators Association released a survey in the last week which showed that bookings from the US, Ireland was uh, number two in the in the destination that people wished to book in 2021. Not possible at the moment, given the, the two-week uh, uh, quarantine requirement, but um, you know, a small window of opportunity to to secure any US business this year. Can you give people in the tourist uh, industry any comfort or any hope in relation to overseas visitors coming in in 2021? Yeah, well, first of all, to say uh, anyone who's fully fully vaccinated um, is exempt from mandatory hotel quarantine. Um, And that would apply to Americans who are fully vaccinated, although most of them are, uh, although we still have a ban on non-essential travel. Mm now as a state so that's probably a, a moot point in in many ways um what what i you know we do need to take this one step at a time i think it would be a bit strange if we were um saying to people that it's okay to uh, go on foreign holidays and to uh, accept foreign tourists when we don't let people eat indoors in a restaurant mm. you know so um i, I think i, I suppose think what people in the tourist industry have been saying to me is that they need more than a plan or that we'll announce it at the end of june or whatever that they need a bit more kind of concrete roadmap for want of a better word yeah i i can give i can give her i can give an indication um but we've avoided giving a roadmap because this pandemic is still things happening. change yeah yeah and like the worst thing is to give people i i remember the amount of times we told the pubs that they were going to open in three weeks and mm. we kept pulling it away from them and i felt really bad about that so you don't want to give somebody a plan that's not really a plan um but if i was to kind of give an indication to where i think it'll go uh, i think it might be the common travel area first uh, allowing people to travel freely between um britain and ireland um they're heavily vaccinated in britain instance there is lower than here and uh because of the perversities of of northern ireland um we're we, we'll be able to holiday up there in um uh, in a few weeks time they'll be able to holiday down here uh, english and scottish people will be able to holiday up there and in fact we could even go to belfast and holiday with our english friends in belfast but not go to england and like that is a bit crazy so uh, i think the first step might be restoring the common travel area with britain and that would really help with, with connectivity and tourism uh, and then we've the european green pass and is uh, it too early to give indicative time frames on that tarnisha um or I, even I, target I, I, dates yeah, like, uh, I, I suppose, you, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be reported all over the papers and then, then, then it'll be denied by somebody. Okay. Uh, that only cause a controversy and upset the industry more than more than they deserve. And but they but deserve. you understand it is very difficult for them to plan given the time frames involved. I suppose that's the central conundrum of, of trying to get through a pandemic. Yeah, and I do think, you know, most of the business, the vast majority of the business this year is going to be domestic tourism. Um, And, you know, bear in mind, if we open Ireland to tourism inbound and outbound, those same businesses could see a lot of cancellations if people suddenly decided they were going to go to Spain or Greece instead of of Kerry or or Kilkenny or or, or Galway. So... Mm. um, It's an interesting point, though, that you kind of touch off there is is how you communicate in a pandemic, because like it's legitimate for businesses to um, to to ask for for such information. But as you suggest, elements of us in the media then start jumping on everything you say. Is that a particular challenge? It's just an occupational hazard of politics. I don't um, (laughs) I don't bother about it. Okay, Uh, just the way it is. And I understand that's the way it is. And that's why we have to be careful in what we say as politicians and, and sometimes I'm not 
not careful enough. Okay, well, look, that's very candid of you. Uh, Tonish to Leo Varadkar talking to me earlier in the week. We're going to take a break and I'll be back with more uh, of that conversation that I had with him about the challenges facing business as we seek to reopen. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie The heart of two counties. KCLR. KCLR, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. Uh, I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, earlier in the week, I spoke to Tanishta and Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Leo Varadkar. And when I'd been talking to a lot of businesses, the whole issue of how the country is going to pay for all the COVID assistance that has been given out over the last year was high on people's agenda. Let's rejoin that conversation with Tanishta Leo Varadkar. Just looking ahead to the future and business um business confidence one of the things that people have been saying to me is that you know the government is going to face a huge bill we had during the week the IMF indicating that they thought Ireland Inc should be increasing taxes Uh, many businesses that I've spoken to over the last week have said like look we'll be facing into having to pay all this back and when I said I'd be talking to you people said well can you assure us that we're not facing into an era of austerity to pay for all this stuff what's your feeling on that whole issue? Yeah, I, I don't think that would be necessary. Um, of course, austerity means different things to different people, but to me it means, you know, pay cuts and welfare cuts and, um, you know, increases in the USC and income tax and things like that. And we don't have anything like that in mind at all. Um, we have borrowed a lot of money. Uh, thankfully, it's borrowed at uh, virtually 0%, uh, which um, uh, is unusual, but that's the way monetary policy is happening at the moment. Um, but we will have to close the deficit because that money, while it doesn't necessarily have to be repaid back, it does need to be refinanced and it does need to be serviced and interest rates won't be this low forever. Mm. So we will close the deficit. Um, We believe that we can close that deficit mainly through economic recovery. Uh, You know, we're talking about the economy bouncing back by 4% this year, maybe 5% next year. Uh, All those people back to work, all those businesses opening again, um, that will generate uh, new revenues. We'll be able to remove the emergency expenditure, things like the wage subsidy scheme, the pandemic unemployment payment, and that will do the vast majority of the heavy lifting, uh, in my view. Mm. Um, so if we are doing anything around taxes, I think it'll be some of the things that we've planned already, like like the carbon tax, for example. Um, it's not going to be increases in tax on work, uh, on, on income taxes, for example, because they're already very high in Ireland and people on quite modest incomes uh, already paid the highest rate of income tax. And that's actually... Uh, detracts talent and makes it hard to get investment into the country and would be a a retrograde step, I think. Yeah, now, COVID obviously dominating the headlines and pretty much the government agenda as well, but Brexit, you know, the UK, our largest trade partner, what's your evaluation of the impact it's had five months in? I think a lot of the impact has been masked by by the pandemic. Um, I I think it's probably the case that... um, uh, it's done more harm to trade than people think, um, mm. but because of the pandemic and because of stockpiling, that's been kind of masked. And we need to bear in mind as well that Brexit is still unfolding. Uh, Britain is yet to impose its its checks and customs on imports from Ireland and from the rest of the EU, and that's going to happen then in September, October. So uh, I think it's still a, a bumpy ride. Um, I'm saying to business to prepare for that. Uh, we're offering grants to businesses of €9,000 through Enterprise Ireland, um, so you can hire or train up a customs official. This is something 
you, you know you're going to need to do uh, mm. if you're uh, exporting or trading with Britain. Um, and we also are at the moment in the doll. Um, enhancing the Brexit loan scheme so that uh, businesses can get loans over the course of six years at a very low interest rate to uh, make adaptions to Brexit. So, um, um, you know, it is something that's still unfolding. Um, uh, yeah, an interesting point you, you make about how it's kind of hidden. I was talking to a very successful businessman who does a lot of business in the UK and he was just talking about the price of stuff that's going up mm. hugely. He mentioned UK manufactured bin bags um, before Christmas, €8.50 and in February, €14. Euros. Um, are we going to suddenly wake up and realise the costs of everything are gone through the roof because of Brexit? Um, I, 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 I doubt it and, and you know sometimes the price of things goes up for reasons other than Brexit I, mm. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know much about bin bags to be honest but I, I doubt it's all down to, down to Brexit if the increase is, is, is that big um, but one area where potentially we'll see an increase for example is, is flour because um, in Ireland we don't mill any flour at least not on industrial scale and um, uh, flour for example is imported largely from Britain but most of the wheat is Canadian mm. uh, so uh, tariff supply um, which is something that you know we weren't talking about or we didn't potentially see as an issue before Brexit happened. So, but it's also an opportunity. You know, maybe we should mill flour uh, here in Ireland, and uh, we government is willing to invest and help um, businesses to take advantage of some of those opportunities to do things here uh, that we used to uh, import from Britain. Yeah. Now, um, bringing things to a close, but bringing it back local, Glambia are a, a company headquartered in Kilkenny and looking for permission to develop a, a cheese plant in Bellevue in the south of County Kilkenny. It's been hitting the national headlines and even reported uh, to be causing tensions within government. And people are saying it's setting precedents for political uh, input into the planning process, which, as we all know, has been problematic here in the past. What's your take on the whole Brexit uh, on time? Tashka, uh, sorry, Glambia on Tashka planning row. Yeah, well, I, I support the development. Uh, I met the company, um, Royal Airwear, the Dutch company, to assure them of uh, government support. They work very closely with the IDA. Um, it's worth uh, about 500 construction jobs and 100 full-time jobs, which will be very valuable to the southeast. Um, it's worth revenue to Waterford Port, which is really important too. Uh, and, of course, uh, it'll help support the incomes of um, dairy farmers really all across the south of Ireland. And also it'll help us with Brexit because, you know, we're diversifying away from an overdependence on the British market when it comes to uh, dairy. So, you know, I, I support it. And um, What about uh, people who would say, though, that bullets have to be bitten, so to speak, when it comes to dealing with envir- environmental issues? And this is one such bullet that needs to be bitten and it's a bridge too far? Uh, I, I don't agree with that assessment. Um, uh, and um, this was given planning permission, you, you know, and Borpinola heard the arguments, gave a planning permission, went to the High Court, the High Court upheld that planning permission. Now, I understand Antashka is appealing it. Um, I would prefer if they were not, but it is it is their, their right to do so under our constitution. Um, but if there is an appeal, you know, I would encourage the Court of Appeal to hear it and hear it quickly because uh, there are jobs depending on this. Um, people's incomes depend on this. Uh, and I wouldn't like to see a repeat of the you know, data centre situation in, in Athenry that by the time um, the planning approval and the court approval came through, uh, the company went elsewhere. Yeah, fears um, expressed locally that that may happen. Do you think that's a, a reasonable um, anxiety for people to have? Um, I think it's an understandable anxiety and it would send out a very bad message in general about Ireland. Mm. Uh, you know, if two companies, two major companies found that they couldn't invest uh, in Ireland um, as a consequence of um, planning delays and uh, legal actions. Now, 
these are rare you know the vast majority of companies get blind remission and and don't end up in the courts um but it's not good for ireland inc and like i say if this is appealed uh would really like to see the court of appeal uh hear it quickly uh, and make a decision quickly um precisely because uh jobs and incomes depend on this yeah and what about talk of tensions in government and so on is that just uh is that as bad as it seems um, that's exaggerated and that's just what happens so um, there's been no row <laughs> or anything like that uh, at the cabin table about it no raised voices or heated words but the truth is um, there are different parties in government um, we bring different uh, perspectives to the table um, and that's an advantage uh, the vast majority of the time really good to have our green colleagues there they bring fresh thinking thinking that wasn't there before um, but sometimes we disagree on things and, and on this occasion um, you know my party Fine Gael is very much behind this it started under the last government uh, permission was granted uh, commitments were given um, and I think we should we should see it through you know you could argue that maybe in the future um, some developments that may impact on the environment shouldn't go ahead but I don't think you can pull the rug out in people who committed to an investment years ago uh, and have got planning permission and have already been through the courts so uh, you know it's just not good practice and not fair to uh, you know, sort of change the rules in the middle of the game if that makes any sense whatever you may think about the environmental issues Okay well finally uh, Tarnished you stood in uh, New York in Washington I think it was and then you announced the lockdown I think it was on a Sunday night uh, in March well over 15, 16 months ago at this stage. Could you ever have envisaged that things would have gone on this long and we'd still be talking about COVID, you know, as we're going facing into the second half of 2021? No, no, I couldn't have. I remember at the time uh, making those announcements and I thought, you you know, six weeks to three months. Um, We did always think that there could be a second wave in the winter uh, and that that second wave could be severe because that's what happened with the Spanish flu. Um, But I didn't think that we'd have uh, so many businesses closed for so long and so many people out of work for so long. Uh, But the other thing I didn't envisage is that we'd have vaccines. And, you know, that is a miracle of science and a miracle of enterprise. uh, And they work. Um, and where would we be without without those vaccines? And it's just wonderful that uh, they became available within nine months of the pandemic being declared. And imagine where we'd be today if that hadn't happened. Yeah, it must be an incredible experience to be at the centre of such historic events over the last 18 months. Uh, it is, and um, and it's a privilege too. And uh, um, it's a tough job, politics, and getting tougher all, all the time. But... Um, uh, every day I remind myself um, of the enormous the enormous privilege, privilege it is to, to be able to serve and in my current role now I'm Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment and I wake up every morning and my priority is, is those people who are on the pandemic unemployment payment, getting them back to work, those thousands of businesses that have been closed for too long, uh, getting them open and making sure this time they stay open. That's uh, Tanish De Leo Varadkar talking to me earlier this week, of course, Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment. A text in in reference to uh, the comments on overseas travel. Um, somebody said, may I say, Leo, the health workers say, stay at home this year. They have seen the pain of this COVID-19 pandemic. Look before you leave. Uh, OK, and uh, salute to all our hardworking health workers who've been on the front line for so long. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. Coming up after the break, I'll be joined in studio by Colin O'Hearn, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. 
You're very welcome back to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLRM. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, before the break, you heard me talking to Tanish de Leo Varadkar about the range of business issues facing business as the economy slowly begins to reopen after the unprecedented and ongoing challenges caused by COVID-19. Joining me in studio now is Colin Ahern, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and Industry and the General Manager of the Kilkenny Ormond Hotel. Colin, we'll discuss your reaction to the Tawnished as interview in a minute but first some other big stories impacting business this week in Kilkenny. Kilkenny Chamber expressed shock, dismay and a hope that uh, Diageo would reverse their decision to close the Smidix experience. Those hopes appear to have been dealt a blow by a meeting during the week where it seems that as far as Diageo are concerned it's uh, game over. Where, where to next from your point of view? Yeah, look, it, 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 you know, first, first of all, John, it was everyone in business was was disappointed to hear hear the news, and I suppose it was even the the manner in which the 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 news was given um, that was that was most disappointing because there was no opportunity for us to engage with them whatsoever. <clears throat> it is. Um, the last thing we need we we need in our in 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 our city and county right now is is less reasons for people to visit us. Uh, we need we need more reasons. Um, and um, the Smith experience was a world class is a world class visitor attraction. Um, and many businesses in Kilkenny had invested heavily in including it as part of their collateral and marketing collateral. So it is very very disappointing. Um, my my sense from speaking to the people that have met Diageo so far is that um, they don't share the same passion for the experience uh, and possibly the brand as as we do in Kilkenny, um, and so really um, it, it's 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 incumbent now on 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 the local authority and 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 our local uh, county councillors to do what they can to to ensure that we keep some semblance of the of the brewing tr- the brewing tradition and the Smithix name uh, and and that experience in in our city because it's really important uh, to what we sell and who we are yeah and uh, i suppose quite unprecedented to use that often used word to see such a broad range of business interests coming together to oppose a decision like this by another business so so an unusual situation yeah there are very few uh, John, there are very few businesses that have the history and the, uh, you know, three hundred years of, of 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 working with the city and in a city with with the inhabitants uh, and with the people that live there. So, yeah, absolutely, it, it, it's felt and 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 everyone uh, is disappointed uh, by by the decision. And we're still hopeful that you know a resolution that will will be found that that everyone. Will be will be happy enough with, mm-hmm. um, but I mean the ultimate goal was that nothing would happen and it would continue as as it would do. But look, you know, if that can't happen, then we've got to, then we've got to find a resolution that uh, that is second best. Yeah. Now I spoke to the Tarnish then onto his issues in a minute, but um, just when I was speaking to him, word was emerging that significant doubts over the I suppose stability of the funding for the North Keys project in in Waterford as it's known, but actually in County Kilkenny, but big. Uh, a big potential blow if that project doesn't go ahead for business in the southeast. Any reaction on that? Yeah. Look, I mean, the southeast in general is 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 
seen and it's fair to say in terms of investment is the poor man um you know there there significant investment happens around the country and i don't believe that the southeast gets its fair share um that said, I think there are positives and negatives for Kilkenny in terms of the, the news coming out from Waterford. Um, and from what I can gather, listening to the, listening to the, the various uh, media reports, is there's quite a bit of saving a face going on at the moment. Um, and, and I really wouldn't be surprised um, if anything happened, um, to be honest with you. But look, you know, like... Uh, the, the the southeast is a small region, and and the people that visit the southeast, we look at it and we're and we're very and 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 we have a lot of passion for Kilkenny, and we want to protect Kilkenny's interests. Um, but a strong and vibrant region um, is so important is so important to us. And these cities and and other counties are less than an hour away from our doorstep. Um, and the stronger they the, the stronger economies they have. Um, will will radiate out throughout our whole region and ultimately be better for Kenny in the long run. But look, I but I do see that people would see positive and positives and negatives from the news in the last number of hours. Okay, and still to uh, unfold, uh, no doubt. Moving on, you heard the Tanishta talking to me there. Um, he spoke about the continuation of assistance to business. He spoke about the hospitality industry. First, um, your reaction on, on his comments that while the supports to business won't last forever, they won't be withdrawn suddenly. How do you feel about that? Um, it's very welcome. Um, it's, it's, it's very welcome, but I don't know if it's enough. Um, businesses that are st- they're, they're still, as he said himself, 500 businesses closed in Kilkenny and 200 businesses closed in Carlo. Um, we all have to plan. Um, we all have to plan for our employees to come back. Um, and we need to plan uh, for the next 12, 24, 36 months. Um, and we need a little bit more information with regard to how long these supports will last and at what level they will last for. Um, the supports that the government have put in place have been very welcome and they have done what they had to do. I do think that um, the likes of the CRSS um, in particular um, has is is not enough anymore for some businesses. Um, you know, at the beginning, it was very welcome and it did what it needed to do. But the costs of those businesses, even the ones that are closed at the moment, have begun to ramp up to such a scale now as they plan to reopen that the CRSS is not enough. Mm. So, yes, we need, in terms of the CRSS, in terms of the EWSS, in terms of the rates waiver, in terms of, for hospitality, the 9% VAT, um, we, we definitely need more information and more clarity as to how long those those resources will be there for. Yeah, now on to tourism, um, you know, a lot of disgruntlement in the licensed side of uh, tourism um, about the dining arrangements and a bit of disparity between um, pubs and restaurants and accommodation providers such as hotels. What, you know, how to fix that? Um, it's very difficult. The only way to fix it is to treat all hospitality the same. Um, I think that uh, hotels are delighted to be opening on the 2nd of June um, and um, working in a hotel myself, I can't wait to open. What I found in Kilkenny is that the first two or three weeks in June, uh, bookings are still quite soft. 
because all of the restaurants and bars, or certainly all of the restaurants and bars that can't offer extensive outdoor dining from the 7th, from the 7th of, of June are still closed. Uh, and and people come to a city like Kilkenny for an all-inclusive experience. Um, they certainly don't come to stay in 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 a city, city to book into a city centre hotel and stay there for for forty eight hours without leaving the front door. So, I think um, hospitality in general would benefit from all businesses opening. Well, Colin, thanks very much, and best of luck to you and all your colleagues uh, reopening on June the seventh. Thank you. At the heart of it all, KCLR. Joining me on the line is Laura Slattery uh, from the Irish Times. Good morning, Laura. Morning, John. How are you? You were listening to my interview with uh, Tanishta uh, there. What stood out for you in what we what he was saying? Quite a wide-ranging discussion we had. Yeah, it was very interesting, actually, to hear um, his view on, on, on where things are at the moment. I think uh, the first thing that struck me was, was the first um, area of discussion there you had about um, the really huge question of when supports uh, for businesses um, will uh, be tapered off. And, you know, the Tonishta, you know, used that word viable, which I think is, is, is a word that we're going to be hearing a lot over the next few months. And it's a word that's going to be coming up a lot um, in political circles because there's this kind of issue about what is a viable business. And there's a kind of feeling of they don't want to um, artificially support, um, you know, to use that kind of horrible language, uh, businesses that, you know, wouldn't necessarily have a commercial future anyway. And that's kind of a really, really harsh um, reality for a lot of people out there because, you know, if you're a business owner, you're going to have a different opinion about your viability compared to maybe, you know, the lender's view if you have, if you have debt. Their view of your viability might be a little bit more dismal. So, I think that's a huge question that, as obviously, um, as uh, people are saying as well, it's incredibly difficult to plan in terms of the timing. And I think it's going to be quite contentious. Yeah, and also interesting to hear him talk. You know, he he was kind of laughing when I was asking him about, well, if if you give us a, a date, then the media and that whole interaction. Um, it it's. PhDs could be written on the whole area of government communications during a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really interesting because I think Leo Varadkar, uh, you know, amongst uh, many of his generation has probably given more attention to the communications side of politics, you know, than, than many. I always remember him giving a talk to a public relations seminar back when he was uh, Minister for Health, I think. And, you know, he's quite practiced now at sort of sounding me- measured in 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 many instances, but as he admitted there himself, self, there, there's been times when he hasn't been careful enough and um, false hope has been raised and then um, understandable anger, I think, um, amongst uh, various business sectors um, when, you know, they haven't been able to reopen as planned or not on the date planned or, you know, as, as we saw around Christmas time, um, the, the reopening was suddenly kind of yanked away, again, for understandable reasons. But yeah, you know, the Tonish is saying there we can give people an indication, but we can't give them a roadmap. But you have to you have to wonder, you know, how valuable is an indication really to the yeah. that are trying to you know staff up and see how you know can they survive the summer, can they survive the year? Yeah, well, look, stay with us, Laura. Uh, you're listening to the Bottom Line, the program for and about business on Casey Law. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back to talk more to Laura Slattery about uh, that interview with the Tornista and also other issues, uh, such as the future of work as the business community slowly gets back to work after closures. 
The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Laura uh, Slattery from the Irish Times. Laura, we were talking uh, before the break about the complexities of communication and so on. Interesting to hear the tonish to talking about, well, I can give you indications, but I can't give you a roadmap and we can't have firm dates, but I can kind of give you rough timelines or uh, it's really they have to dance around on pins because we've heard of the whole thing of anticipatory behavior from people because when people hear that stuff is coming three weeks down the line they tend to adjust their behavior immediately but that's really difficult for businesses to plan on that kind of information isn't it yeah, I mean, obviously, anticipatory uh, behaviour is 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 not good in uh, from a point public health point of view. But but businesses are are all about anticipating behaviour, and if this is a really at the sharp end, I suppose in in the tourism sector, um, you, you know, they're, they're looking at the month of June and 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 wondering, you know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Um, I myself am looking to take a couple of, of breaks uh, in June, but will, will there be any? What dining, you know, facilities will be available? As, as, as you were saying earlier, uh, nobody wants to spend, you know, forty-eight hours in a hotel and, and, and not be able to do anything. And there's also issues of, you know, Americans are hearing, you know, from Joe Biden that they can travel internationally once they've been vaccinated. But, but, you know, some there'll be pent-up demands to take, you know, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type trips to Ireland and the rest of Europe. Uh, but what what lies in wait when they get there? You know, we still don't know. The industry doesn't know, and it, it's it's kind of a slightly impossible situation for for everybody, I would say, at the moment. Yeah, and you were uh, writing during the week about the future of newsrooms. You know, people are, are have grown up with the whole. Um, you know, I suppose going back to different films, seeing rows and rows of people sitting, banging out copy on mm. typewriters and so on. That hasn't been in existence for the last year, and whatever about the return to offices what's the future in newsrooms in newspapers where you work well as uh, the Tonisha was saying now we've seen now what can be done you know the last uh, 14-15 months yeah, we've seen that we can produce um, uh, not only can we produce a, a website and, and web publishing but we can produce a, a, a print newspaper um, at the, at the, from the journalist's end of, of things with, without being in the room at all. Very few people, as I understand it, have been in our, our offices over the past year. And uh, it's in, in some ways, I found it um, quite refreshing in, in, in some respects because it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, quite frankly easier to concentrate <laughs> on certain tasks rather than being, you know, subject to, I suppose, large volumes of noise, as you mm. might expect, you know, both from a newsroom. But, but, this, but this ties into sort of a broader question of, of you know, what, what's, the, what's the net benefit from being, you know, physically surrounded by colleagues? Obviously, there's this kind of a, a certain amount of learning that you do from more senior colleagues. Um, you know, there's mentoring that goes on. There's a kind of a social aspect. Um, there's a sort of, you know, in, in, healthy, in healthy, good uh, companies with good cultures that's all really important um, but at the same time uh, there's no reason why you, that you can't replicate a lot of that online um, or virtually and through you know zoom and so on and uh, it, I think it's very welcome to a lot of people what the government is saying in terms of you know having the right to request uh, working from home whether or not you know your employer <laughs> plays ball with that or not yeah so um, flexibility the name of the game but it'll be an interesting and complex couple of months also to tarnish the uh, finally just saying that yeah well we have to look into the whole thing of 
whether people can ask about vaccinations and all that sort of stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent with all these things, the, the, the sort of the boss you know, of the company, you know, sets the tone. Um, so if somebody high up isn't comfortable with having, you know, a remote workforce, if they don't trust that, or, or conversely, if, if they don't want people coming into the office uh, if they haven't been uh, vaccinated, then, you know, that that's, it, you know, it's actually hard. The um, employees don't necessarily have feel they have a lot of power, even if there are, you know, rights introduced or protection measures uh, in place to, mm. you know, prevent them being victimised or whatever. It, it, it's just it's it, it, it's down to the individual company in, to to a large extent. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And the, the vaccination one is really interesting. I, I yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to being vaccinated myself. But absolutely, I don't know if I really want my employer getting involved. Absolutely, <laughs> in those questions yeah. at the same time, you know. So, interesting times. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Laura. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time. So thanks very much for your insight this morning. That's Laura Slattery uh, from the Irish Times. Thanks, Laura, and good morning. Thanks, John. Um, that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at caselaura96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just download the fantastic Casey Laura app and head to the podcast section. There you'll find the Clash Act podcast, which is fantastic and highly recommended. Lots more there. You'll also get The Bottom Line podcast in Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Just search for The Bottom Line. Thanks to to all my guests this week, Tonishta, Leo Varadkar, Laura Slattery and Colin Ahern. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show. And until we uh, speak again next Saturday, just after nine, stay safe, stay tuned to KCLR and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie